Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good afternoon, everybody. How are you guys today? Yeah. I'm so happy to see all of you. If you're a guest with us today in particular, thank you so, so very much for coming out today. It always means so much to us to have folks check us out for the very first time, and I've met folks all day long who this was their first time here. If this is you, man, thank you so much for coming. We, we got some, a gift for you on your way out on the left side back here. There's, a, there's some people that will be holding signs up, and we would just love to introduce ourselves and just say thank you so much for coming. Uh, we're so glad you're here. Uh, I got to do a couple things before we jump in. By the way, my name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here. <coughs> um, the, I got to say this. The second song that we just sang in our set there is a brand new worship song written by our own worship pastor, uh, Jordan Coleman. Give it up for him. That's so good. Y'all give it up. Yeah. I told the other services that it was the world premiere, and they said, no, we actually sang that somewhere else. So it's the world premiere for here. Come on, man. It's like in this little world right here that is the ark, this ark. Um, uh, yeah, it's, but it was fire, and it was good. And by the way, those of you, if you love Jordan's voice, he's dropping a, a, a hip-hop record this week on October the 25th. Go to iTunes, Jordan Coleman, and get some beats going on with him. He's, uh, he's got some, some sweet skills, and you're going to love that music. He's got a lot more music on there, too, but check that one out. He's dropping it like it's hot uh, on the 25th. Um, I got to say this one other thing. Two weeks from this weekend, you heard, is at the movies. And by the way, those noodles that dude was eating, I was kind of getting hungry. I'm pretty sure I'm going to payway after this, babe. Just FYI, get the car ready to go. As soon as I'm done, I'm, I'm super hungry by now. Uh, those noodles were looking jamming. Um, but we are going to, during just for that series, uh, there's five weeks in that series. Uh, the first weekend of November all the way to the first weekend of no, uh, December. We're going to add uh, a fifth, a fourth service. Sorry, not a fifth. A fourth service on Saturdays at 5. Can I hear some woo? Yeah, and we're doing that because last year the place was packed, uh, so packed that we didn't have enough parking, we didn't have enough place for kids, and there was frankly not enough room in here. We, were, we, we give away popcorn and drinks and stuff during that whole series. Like we tell them, bring your, your popcorn slash communion wafers in here, and, uh, and it's gonna be, we have a lot of fun. And by the way, if you've never been here for one of these, and you're like, what, are they going to show a movie Kinda, kind of a movie. Uh, we're going to show clips from the movies, and then there'll be some teaching involved in, in, in between those things. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's really exciting. But the biggest part of it is it's the, it's the number one time of the year that we see people bring their friends who don't normally want to come to church, but they come to church because it's like, hey, we're going to watch this movie part of it. And then it's the number one season where we see the most people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Everybody with me on that? It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. So Saturdays at 5 p.m., not next Saturday, because if you come then, you'll just be here by yourself, and you'll be all lonely and whatnot. But the following Saturday, November 2nd, I think that is, uh, we'll be starting it right in here. And, and the prayer is that maybe during the course of the five weeks, we get to go into our new building. I'm not promising that. I don't know. I can't get anybody to tell me when that thing's going to be done, but it's coming faster. They've started painting the inside of the auditorium yesterday. Uh, which is really cool. They put all the window frames in, and then they brought the glass, and it didn't fit. So I was like, shame on you. Uh, but anyways, um, they're getting ready to have all that done this week. Stucco went on. It's awesome. But whatever the case is, get some invite cards. They're at the front on your way out the door. Grab some of those. Hand them out to your friends and neighbors, and let's have some fun, and let's also see a lot of people come to faith. Amen, somebody? All right. So we are in a series called When Pigs Fly, 
And it's, it's an idiom for this, this idea that stuff is going to happen when pigs fly, right? It's like we kind of doubt that they'll happen. And, and we're talking today about the miracle of healing. Um, and, and we'll say about that kind of a miracle that that'll happen when pigs fly. It, it's strange to me, though, because I, I would argue that miracles happen all around us every single day. And a lot of those miracles, we think it was just luck or it was just a coincidence. But I'm going to argue that miraculous things happen all the time and we don't find them strange. It's like if I were to say to you, the Cowboys were going to win today, right? Some of you would say, well, it's about time. It's just been a matter of time. But others of you would go, well, that would be a miracle, right? Because it actually, come on, y'all. We're 0-3. It actually might be a miracle that God has heard my cries for help so that those who profane the name of the Dallas Cowboys might be put to shame. I'm talking to one of you at least. Uh, come on, somebody. Uh, I gave him a heads up beforehand that I was going to take a shot. Um, I'm preaching now, y'all. Come on in, Cowboys fans in the house today. It's, gonna, it's a miracle. It's really a miracle if they win. All right, anyways. Seriously, though. When we say to somebody, hey, man, five people gave their lives to Jesus on, on Sunday uh, and, and, and they, they got saved, and we'll be like, woohoo, but we will we'll go on the second. But that happens every week, Danny. People get saved every week, and you're right, but it still doesn't negate that a miracle of salvation took place. Or when somebody's marriage is restored that was on the brink, or somebody's relationship with their family or their kids or their mother or whomever is restored, we'll be like, wow, thank you, God, but I knew that was going to happen. But that's still a miracle that happens all of the time at here at LifePoint and, and at other churches all around our city. But, but when somebody has a terrible disease or a terrible diagnosis, we'll often go, we won't do it to their face, but we're like, man, I hope the doctors can figure something out. So, so why is it so hard to believe that, that the same God in our Bibles who healed the sick and raised the dead and unstopped deaf ears and cleansed the leper and raised a man with, dis with disabilities up from birth, th that he could still be in that same business. Why is that so hard to believe? Come on, somebody. Why is that so hard to believe? And, and so what I'm saying is that, and what we've been praying is that during this series that we'll redefine our faith and we'll redefine our spiritual expectations that when the miraculous happens in your life or mine, we're not looking around searching for plausible explanations about how this happened. We just start praising Jesus. Come on, somebody. We just start praising Jesus and give God glory and keep believing for God to do the miraculous uh, in our lives and at our church. Amen, somebody, right? Now, here's what I want to tell you. You, you can read any of the four Gospels or the book of Acts, which are the stories of Jesus and then the continual, co continuation of the stories of Jesus in the book of Acts. You will quickly realize upon reading that Jesus was all about the miraculous. And I fully believe that the same power that facilitated the miraculous when Jesus walked the earth is still at work in our hearts, in our lives, in our churches today. Amen. Amen. Like we serve a God with whom the Bible says that all things are possible on the one hand and that nothing is impossible on the other hand, right? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, we read this a couple of weeks ago. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, come on, somebody say immeasurably more, immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work, where? 
within us. Not, a, not on the televangelist guy just alone, or not in the cosmos or in space, that that same power is at work inside of every believer that's in this room. Whether you know that or not, whether you've tapped into that or not, it, it is, is, is not, does not change the fact that it's there available to be at work in our lives. You know, I love the Psalms um, for all of these various reasons, but I love some of the Psalms because they give us an insight into the character into the nature of God. Psalm 77, verse 14 says that you are the God, would you say this with me? Who performs miracles. And you display your power among the people. Right? This is who God is. This is what God does. And, and I've witnessed a few miracles in my own personal ministry. I've seen, I've prayed for people who are on the verge of death. And it wasn't about me. It had nothing to do with me, I promise you. I just was there in, in the moment where God did something and, and they would recover and they would come back and, and they would live longer. I, I've seen God deliver people and set people free. But I, I gotta be honest with you, one of the first miracles that I ever witnessed in my own life are the first times I would think maybe that was a miracle had to do with a fish. I, I think I've told this story here before, but I gotta say it again. When I was a young youth pastor, I had an office that was really small, because um, back in the day, that's what, you just put the youth pastor like in a closet, and you'd be like, hey, you guys do your thing over here. The adults, we're going to be all over here doing our thing, all right? And so that was kind of the deal back in the day, and there was no windows in there, so I got a big fish tank, and I stuck it in the corner because I'm ADD, and i got to have something to look at, right? Those of you who've worked with me or work around me, you know this. I can't focus on more than about four minutes at a time, right? Anyways, so I'm putting beautiful fish in there, and they're awesome, and then I decide... Uh, to add fish, and sometimes some fish would get big and too big, and I would sell them back to the pet store. They'd give me more money than I paid for them because they're beautiful or whatever. So I buy this little black shark. It wasn't really a shark because it was a freshwater tank. They just called it that. And after a few months, this thing was, you know, six or seven inches long. It was beautiful, but he was hyper aggressive. He was biting all the other fish. He was creating a stressful atmosphere, and so I'm like, he's got to go. He's got to go. So I call the dude. I go down to the fish store. I say, hey, He's beautiful, man. Will you give me some money for him? He's like, yeah, I'll give you like 30. I think it was like 30 bucks. It was crazy, whatever it was. I think I paid six bucks for him. And so I get my buddy Renee, and I was like, hey, dude, we got to catch this fish. And he's going to be hard to catch because he's very, very fast. And he jumps, and he goes crazy. But we're going to take him. And so I catch him. Finally tore the whole tank up. But catch him, put him in a five-gallon bucket. And the lid for the bucket um, is in the kitchen. So we take him to the church kitchen. I put him up on the counter. And I'm like, dude, stay right over the top of this tank, I mean, over this bucket, and, and guard it while I go get the thing. And he goes, he's like, why, dude? I was like, because the sucker can jump, man. He can jump. And so as I turn and walk away, uh, I look, and I just see this black thing flying across. <laughs> I said, what was that? And he goes, that was your fish. It went, it went down the sink. And I was like, no way. And, and it went right down the sinkhole. And, of course, it was this, you know, this was a commercial kitchen. There's two. It went down the one where the blades are at, you know, to grind up the stuff, you know. Like, Come on, you know what I'm talking about right now? And so I'm like, no, come on, man, one job, you know, just one. And I'm yelling at him or whatever. <clears throat> and he's like, my bad, dude, I didn't believe you. And I'm like, dude, I told you he's a dolphin, man, you know. <laughs> and, you know, it's got these little rubber things to keep stuff from going down, except fish, apparently. It was like the perfect dive right down the hole. He's like, Frida, oh, Yeah. And so I did what any normal man would do. I got out my knife, and I just cut all those rubber things off, you know, tore up the house of God for my fish, you see. 
I'm trying to reach down in there, and I can't grab him, but I would, every now and then I'd get like one little piece, and I'm like, here, I got, I got, and there goes his tail. I'm like, oh, come on, Renee, this is on you, man. And I rip off another, I, I ripped off like his fins, his tail, and he's flopping around in there, and I'm like, it's been, it's like been six or seven minutes, and so I dig around in the, in the drawer, and I find some meat tongs. Come on, y'all, that's a manly Texas thing to do. And I'm jamming it down in there, jamming it down there. I, you know, there goes another piece of him. And I'm like, no. Like, like not only is he going to die, but I can't sell him. 30 bucks, that's like, when you're 23, that's like a whole week of Taco Cabana. That's all I got, you know. And ramen soup. And, um, and finally I get him out, and he's just dead. He's just dead. I put him in the bucket, he just sinks down to the bottom. And I'm like, loser, you know. And he's like, all right, man, all right, sorry, bro. Let's just put him back in the tank. And I was like, why? He's like, who knows? So I'm like, all right, you know, 23, 24 years old. Take him, and we, and we drop him back in the tank, and he just sinks down to the bottom, just on his back, dead. And I, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it to Renee, that punk. And so I put my hand on it. I'm like, all right, God, Renee's a loser. It's not the fish's fault that Renee's such a failure at life. And I'm like, I believe you can heal the fish. And I was kind of doing it as a joke, but mostly just to stick it to Renee. And then I'm like, nothing. You know, he's like, dead. And I'm like, all right, I got this one more time, God. I just believe that you can raise my fish who Renee killed up from the dead. And then sure enough, he twitched, man. I was like, you know, like, whoa, you know. And, uh, and then he kind of rolls over. And I'm like, he's alive, you know. And, and, and we're like, he's like, yeah. I told you to put him back in the tank, you know. And, and so a couple minutes later, he sw- like no fins, jacked all up, cuts all over him, bleeding. He starts chasing the fish around the tank again. And like within a week, the sucker has grown back all of his, his various accoutrements that I've ripped off of him, and I sell them for 30 bucks anyways, y'all. Come on, somebody. That's what I'm talking about. Like, I, can't, I don't have any other kind of anointing, but if you, have a, if you need a fish anointing, I got you. Like, except when it comes to catching them, I can't help you on that because I got no anointing on that, right? You know, it's, 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 it's kind of funny, a story like that, but let's be honest. Sometimes he raises the fish, or maybe it was just a coincidence, I don't know. Other times, somebody you were praying for doesn't get well. Like, on the one hand, you hear a story like that, and on the other hand, you know God can, and, and yet he doesn't. And that can uns- unsettle you, and, and it can shake you, and it can, it can rock you to the core. God, I know you can, because I've seen you do it for others, but why does my son still have migraine headaches? God, I believe you. I, I, I read about this in the Bible. Well, why is my daughter still struggling with depression? God, God, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed, but my aunt still died. I knew you could, but you didn't. And a lot of people will conclude in moments like that that either God is not real or that, that he is not good or at the very least that he does not care about the things that I'm, I care about. How, how do we go before God and how do we pray if we believe that he can and we know that he has, but in our case, he didn't do what we asked him to do? Now, I want to say this because I think this is such an important thing to think and wrap your brain around. Like We, we fundamentally believe that our God is a healer here as the pastors and leadership of LifePoint Church. We believe that our God is a healer. 
um, that our God heals, but he doesn't heal everyone all the time. Our God heals, but he doesn't heal everyone all of the time. And that's a fact. We, we even see this bit in instances in the New Testament. Paul, the apostle, who is like a super Christian guy. And in, 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 in one place we read that he had what he called a thorn in his flesh. Some, something that was happening to him spiritually, physically, or however, that was so bad that he said, three times I went to you, God. And it wasn't just three moments of prayer. It was three seasons of prayer that he went to God and says, God, please take this from me. But God doesn't. And God didn't. And all God says to him is, hey, Paul, my grace is enough for you. It's sufficient for you. And sometimes that's all you get is the notion, the knowledge that God's grace will be with you all the way through. So how do we build our faith in a God who can but doesn't always? How do we, how, how do we pray to that end and still believe that even if he hasn't done it in the past, he can still do it in the future? I want to I build a foundation around that, and then I want to finish with a gospel story that I think is going to help some of us. Three reasons when we read the New Testament, three reasons that we see that Jesus did not do miracles. Number one was he wouldn't do a miracle to sort of prove that he was the Son of God. In, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, the Pharisees, they, they, it says, I think it's in verse 11, the Pharisees come to him, they say to test Jesus. And so to sort of get him to, to, to prove himself, they say, hey, if you are who you, are, you say you do, give us a sign, give us some miracle. And the Bible says that he sighed deeply. And he went, why does this generation always want a sign and I'm not going to give you a sign? And it says he got in the boat and he left. That was one of the reasons. He, he won't do a miracle just to show you that he can. N number two, Jesus didn't do miracles because he would not perform a miracle on the sort of granular level that would somehow interfere with what God was doing in the big picture, God's ultimate plan. The perfect, for instance, of this, and there's, a mul there's multiples that I could give you, is on the night that he's betrayed, he's got his disciples there. On the night that he's betrayed, Judas, one of his followers, has betrayed him, sold him out for 30 pieces of silver, brings a Roman garrison there. The Romans come and arrest Jesus, and Peter, trying to go to the defense of, Je of Jesus, he's brash and bold. He grabs one of the guy's sword, takes a swing at him, misses, and chops off his ear. And Jesus is going, seriously, Peter? Come on, bro. Find his ear. Somebody get the guy's ear. And they're digging around through the weeds or whatever. Hey, there, here's his ear. And Jesus grabs it, puts it back on, and heals him miraculously. But on that same token, he could have done another miracle. He could have said, hey, angels, come down. Fight these Roman soldiers for us. i got to protect my guys, and i got to protect myself. But he doesn't do that. Why? Because it was God's good plan to offer up his son as a sacrifice to pay for your sins and mine. He would not do a miracle at a granular level that was going to mess with the big ultimate plan of God. And the third reason, and the relevant reason for us, is that Jesus did not do miracles where there was no faith. There's a point in his, in his ministry where he's traveling around, he's doing miracles, he's doing signs, he's teaching with authority so that people are like, we've never heard anybody teach like this guy before. But then he comes to his own town, and people, when they see him coming, are like, hey, isn't that the carpenter's son? And they just think of him as this regular guy. We've known that guy all of his life. Who, is, who does he say he is? What does he say he can do? And they're like, no way. And they're like, yeah, remember him from elementary school? He's the kid that always had the right answer and the teacher's pet and everything, blah. And it says he did no miracles there because they had no faith. They did not believe in him. And if you think about faith, faith isn't some mysterious, may the force be with you deal. Come on, Star Wars fans, right? Faith is just this knowledge, this firm conviction that God is who he said he is, and 
that God can do what he said he can do. That's faith. That's, it's this trust. God, I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know if. I just know that you're able. I trust you no matter what. And faith is the thing that moves the heart of God, that our faith is the thing that moves the heart of God. When you, when you talk about miracles of healing, it always boils down to, to, not always, a lot of times it boils down to faith. So when you pray in faith, it touches the heart of God. And on the flip side of that, Hebrews 11 says that w- without faith, it's impossible to please God. So sincere faith moves the heart of God. I want to give you a story from Mark's gospel. It's also in Luke's gospel. It's also in Matthew's gospel. All three of these writers have some of the very same details. Um, in Mark's chapter 5, I want to show you how, how sincere, heartfelt faith moves the heart of God. So Mark chapter 5 is, um, this story that we're going to read is, is sandwiched in the middle of another story. We, we get the first part of the story, then this thing interrupts the story, and then that first story finishes here. So this is the middle section. Verse 24, it says, A large crowd followed and pressed around him, Jesus, that is. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Ladies, without getting graphic here, um, Stuff happens to you guys, and this, but, but it comes and goes. Can I get a witness? Amen, somebody. But for her, it had happened for 12 consecutive years. Think about that. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and she had spent all she had, and what it doesn't say, but what is implied is she had spent all she had on those doctors. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Funny, funny thing, Luke is one of the gospel writers. Luke is a physician. Guess who leaves the part out about the doctors? Luke does. He's like, I'm not putting that in there, right? Because that makes us look, all look bad, right? He left it out. That's funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny, right? He leaves that out. Now, but imagine, imagine being this woman 12 years, and she has suffered physically from this condition. She's weak. She has little to no energy. She's suffering not only physically, but she suffered financially to the extent that she's lost all of her money. She's probably now a beggar. She's suffered spiritually, not just physically, not just financially, but spiritually as well because she's part of the Jewish culture. The Jewish culture had the Old Testament law, and there was a law about her condition that said, until that stops for seven days, you are ceremonially unclean. I don't mean unclean like you need to wash your hands. Like, you're considered an outcast until seven days from that time. So she's not allowed to touch anybody. She's not allowed to come in contact with anybody. If she does, she makes them unclean. So the seat where she sits in, if she sits there and you sit there behind her, you're unclean, bed, the whole bit, right? And there would have been this stigma attached to that unclean, uncleanness on a social level. She'd have had, had, no, had little to no contact with other people, but she would have had to hear people saying about her these ridiculous things that often religious people will say, like, well, if you had more faith, then you could be healed, or maybe you sinned, maybe you've done something wrong, and God's mad at you, and so that's why he's putting this on you. And she'd had to live with stuff like that for 12 years. And by the way, we would never put that on you at, at LifePoint, by the way. M- miracles uh, and healing can be a mystery sometimes, but it's not your fault. Come on, somebody. You with me so far? So back to the story. Maybe she's a mom. Mo- most women and, and her, at her age probably would have been moms. That would mean, moms, think about this, that she could not touch her own children. She couldn't hug them or they'd be unclean. 
Imagine never being able to tuck them into bed at night for 12 years. That's most of their childhood. Gone. Never could do. You, you know, moms, how it is when a kid falls down, they pinch themselves or they stub their toe. Who do they run to? Come on. They run to mom, right? They know dad's going to be like, ah, shake it off. You'll be fine, right? But they run to mom because they want mom to k- kiss it and make it better. But she can't do that or she makes them unclean. Imagine never being able to do all the things that moms do. Every morning she wakes up thinking, maybe if I go to this doctor today, I got this little bit of money left, maybe he'll have an answer. He'll be able to heal me. And she goes to bed every night. Not this time. And then she hears about this teacher, this this rabbi, this, this Jesus who is coming to her village. And so verse 27 says, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd. And all three gospel writers have this detail. And she touched his cloak, his, some, t- some texts say the hem or, or the fringe of his garment, because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. That's the kind of faith that she has. She's heard these stories about Jesus, and something happens to her, and she says, hey, if I can just get to where he is, if I can just touch him, something good will happen to me. Touching. That's something that we do when we want to get somebody's attention, right? Moms, dads, those of you who have little kids, you know this. You're on the phone. You're having a conversation, mom, 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 dad, 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 until you snap a little bit and you're like, what? You know, come on, anybody with me on this, right? Like, you overreact a little bit. Why are you doing that? I'm talking on the phone. So whatever you're talking on the phone, that's your child, hello. Anyways, but, uh, but, it, but it drives you a little nuts. Like, there's something about touching somebody that gets their attention. Like, if you get a little bored today, just start tapping the person in front of your shoulder. And then you'll find, you know, you'll find that you'll get their attention. So this woman gets this idea. If I can just touch his clothes, verse 28, I will be healed. Now, the question is, why does this thought occur to her? Like, hundreds of people, thousands of people would interact with Jesus, bump into Jesus, bump up against him, and not receive a healing from that. Why does she think, if I can just touch him, I could be healed? Well, She's a Jewish girl. She's been raised in the Jewish tradition. And the Jewish text, the Torah, is all the way through it. There's this notion, one day there's a Messiah coming. One day somebody's going to come. And there would be this metaphorical language of of hiding under his wings and finding safety and shelter and healing and and salvation in his wings. This idea of wings had come to be this this thing. As a matter of fact, you you read in Malachi chapter 4, 2, he says, Unto you that fear uh, my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with what? Healing in his wings. It's a real cool word here in the Hebrew, the word for wing, like under God's wing. It's the word kanath. That same word would be used to describe the hem, uh, uh, the corner of a garment. So for a devout Jewish guy, all the way back in the Old Testament, all the way to this day now, if you go to Israel, you'll see them wearing these prayer shawls. And at the bottom of the shawls are these tassels. And each of these tassels would represent some commandments of God, some promises of God. And, and so they would wear them as a sort of protection and, and the healing of God. And so this little corner of those prayer shawl, shawl was called the kanaf or the wing. And over time, there arose this idea from the Old Testament prophets that one day the Messiah is coming, the Son of Righteousness is coming with healing in his wings and in his prayer shawl. In the corner of his garment, there would be healing in his wings. So you understand that this is not just some random thought that she has. Somehow, she connects in a way that nobody else had done before. Nobody else had gotten. This is the guy. 
This is the one that we've been waiting for with healing in his, in, in his wings. And, 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 and if I could just touch the hem, if I could just touch the corner of his garment, and she does. She fights her way through the crowd, and she does. And then we read verse 29, immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Immediately because of her faith in Jesus, she gets healed. And there's this unbelievable and this electric moment. This is what it feels like to be normal. And this is what it feels like to be whole. And this is what it feels like after 12 years to be made well. And she thinks, I got what I came for. I can't believe it. I got healed by touching the hem of the garment of Jesus. And it seems like that's the end of the story. Right? She got what she came from and then she scooted out into oblivion, nobody, never to be heard from again, but it's not the end of the story because at verse 30 says, at once Jesus realized that some power had, had gone out from him and he turns around in the crowd and he asks, who touched my clothes to the crowd? And his disciples are like, hey bro, there's a lot of people that touch you. Look around, dude, there's so, so many people and, you, and yet you're asking who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it, and then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear. Why is she so afraid? We'll figure that out in a moment. It's, it's, it's an incredible story. We see in this space, in this moment, both, both the remarkable power of Jesus to heal any, any way possible. Not a word, not a touch from Jesus, simply a touch of his prayer shawl with somebody with faith to believe in that. But we also see in this moment, as we unpack this story a little bit more, we see the incredible humanity of Jesus when he says, who touched me? The disciples are like, dude, look around. But Jesus knows that somebody knows he looks around, and this one woman knows, and she looks at Jesus, and Jesus looks at her, and she falls at his feet, and she's scared to death because she has broken the law. She's not allowed to make contact with anybody. There's a harsh penalty to be paid for if you do. She has made Jesus unclean, but there's this remarkable phrase. Then she told him the whole truth. Then she told him the whole truth. I think what that means is that she went, so Jesus, listen, for 12 years I've lived with shame. For 12 years I've been weak and I've been sick. I've spent all my money. I've given everything. How else does the writer know the story except that she tells him the whole story? I've been dealing with shame. I've been dealing with pain. I've lost my family. I'm living on the streets. I'm broken. I'm hurting. I thought maybe... Maybe I heard about you. Maybe I heard about this Messiah who was coming. With you. Maybe you were him, and I thought if I could just touch him. And she tells him the whole truth. What, what an amazing phrase. She tells him the whole truth. She tells him her story. She tells him all of the darkness and all of the shame and all of the secrets and all of the pain. And I think that you and I can learn something from this, that we just need to learn to come to Jesus and tell him the whole truth and trust him that he's good enough to handle the weight of your truth and mine. And then she waits. And she's terrified because she knows 
what she's done is wrong. She doesn't know what's going to happen. He's a rabbi. He's famous by now. She's made him unclean. What's he going to do? And she's trembling with fear. And this is Jesus' response. He says, daughter. Now, this isn't some throwaway word. This isn't some random chosen word. This is a strategic word. And he says, daughter. And nobody's called her daughter for a very long time. This word is loaded. He says, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Go, go in peace. Do you know what that means? It, it, it's not, he's already said, your faith has healed you physically, but I want you to go in peace. I, I don't want that shame. I don't want that discomfort. I don't want that stigma, that outcastness. I don't want you to deal with that anymore. I want you to go in peace. I want you to be healed holistically and be freed from your suffering in all of the various ways that you've been suffering. And when he says daughter there, he means she is a daughter of Israel, which means that she is a daughter of the Most High God. And I was wondering, why does Jesus out her like this in such a public way? All she wanted was a healing, just an anonymous touch, and then I'll go. Why does he out her in publicly like that? I think it's because Jesus wants her to have more than just a physical healing. He wants her to know the healer. I, I just need you, I just need you to understand something, probably that you already understand, that, that God's highest purposes for our life is not just that he heals our body, but that he saves our soul. Like, like he is a God who heals your sicknesses and your diseases, but his highest goal is that we are saved for eternity. That's the ultimate purpose of God. Because listen to me, even if God were to heal me of what ails me right now in my own body, I have a sickness, I have a disease. Even if he were to heal me from this life-threatening disease, guess what? Someday I'm still going to die and I'm going to have to face eternity one way or another. So he, ca he calls her out so that she can come to know the healer, not just what he can do for her physically, but what he can do for her, all of her. She's dealing with a tremendous amount of shame and guilt and pain and, and, and the past has been so hard on her and he's calling her daughter to deal with the shame. You are not, you are not who people say you are. You've been labeled a disgrace and you've been labeled unclean and you've been outcast. And with one word, he reminds her of her worth. And with one word, he reframes her entire outlook. And with one word, he lets her know she's part of the family, but she's no servant out back. She's a daughter of the Most High God. I know you came here for a physical healing, but I want to heal the brokenness that is inside of you, daughter. With one word, he changes the entire way she sees herself. And it's because with Jesus, it's okay not to be okay. Come on, somebody. Some of you think, I gotta, I gotta come to Jesus, and I gotta get my act together, and I gotta get all my stuff together. But this woman shows us that with Jesus, it's okay to not be okay. That with Jesus, everybody's welcome, including somebody who's been outcast like her, and nobody's perfect, including somebody like her, but with him, everything, all things are possible. D do you see why we use this around here? That everyone's welcome and nobody's perfect, but with Jesus, anything is possible. It's because, listen, it's because that's how Jesus worked everywhere that he went. But back to the story, and, and, and we're going to invite folks who want to be prayed for in just a minute up here, the front and the back, to, to, to do that. If you want to be prayed for about whatever, we want to do that with you. But, but back to the story for just a second. 
If you read the whole chapter of Mark 5, you, you find that the story starts with a, with, a, with a wealthy synagogue ruler named Jairus. And Jairus also comes to Jesus, also with a critical emergency. Jesus, would you come? My daughter is sick to the point of death. At the, as a matter of fact, in the story, she does die. And Jesus goes and, and, and brings her, raises her back up. But in the middle of this crisis emergency, Jesus says, I'll go with you. In the middle of that, as the crowds are walking to see what he's going to do for Jairus' daughter, here's this little anonymous woman, this, 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 can I say it this way, this nobody. Her, they don't even tell us her name. But Jesus was there, or Jairus was there first. And listen, in this culture, men had stature and women didn't. And, and, and he's a man and he's wealthy and he has servants and status. He's a somebody. On the other hand, you have this woman. We don't even know her name. and We do know she has no money. She has no status. She's outcast. She's unclean. She's a nobody. But listen to me now. Her heartfelt faith has so moved the heart of God that Jesus interrupts the somebody to be with a nobody. See, what this is telling us is that with Jesus, nobodies become somebodies. So that Paul would later on write in Romans chapter 9, this is from the message translations. I love this. He says, here's what he says. He said, Hosea put it well. When God said, I'll call nobodies and I'll make them somebodies. I'll call the unloved and I'll make them the beloved. And in the place where people were yelling out, you're a nobody. He says, now they're calling you God's living children. That's how much faith, sincere faith, moves the heart of God. In, 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 God's, in God's kingdom, nobody's become somebody's. As a matter of fact, let me say it even better. In God's realm, nobody is a nobody. Nobody is a nobody. You following with what I'm saying right now? I don't know what's going on in your life. I just know this. Healing happens. And miracles happen. For we know eight, Romans 8, 28, that, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him to those who are called according to his purpose. Real faith moves the heart of God. But let me finish with this. Because many, have, many people have come to me during the course of the day today and said, yeah, but what do you do when your faith is low? Or when you don't have much belief because of life been so hard? You know, sometimes people have that kind of faith. They're like, wow, that's some crazy faith. I can't believe that. And sometimes people have that kind of faith where we go, Wow. Do you know what I'm talking about? But here's the beautiful thing. In, in Matthew chapter 17, Jesus says, listen, if you have the kind of faith that's just the size of a mustard seed, you, you could, and, and you direct it towards me, you direct that little bit of faith towards me, you could say to that obstacle, that mountain, that, that problem, be moved, and it will, be, it will fall into the sea. And what Jesus is saying is sometimes you have that wow faith and sometimes you have that wow faith. And he says, okay, even if you just have a tiny little spark of hope, even if you have a tiny bit of faith you, and you direct it towards me and you say, God, I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know what you're going to do, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I believe. I, I will trust you. No matter the outcome, I will trust you. That moves the heart of God. There's a guy, a, a dad who comes up to Jesus, last thing I promise, comes up to Jesus 
and his son is sick. He, he, he says he's possessed by a demon, so, so much so that the demon will throw this little boy into the fire against his own will, and, and he's been burned, and he's been hurt. And so he brings, him, he brings him to Jesus. Lord, can you heal my son? And Jesus says, of course, all things are possible. And here's what the guy says. He says, Lord, I believe, or I wouldn't have brought him here. He says, I believe, but he says, but help my unbelief. But Lord, I believe because I've seen you do miracles, but here's my problem. I just don't know if you'll do one for me. I, I'm helpless with my son. I don't, I don't know how to fix him. But I believe. But Lord, help the part of me that's going, I, I just don't know if you will for me. Come, come on, have you ever been there before? Where like, I can believe for your miracle and your miracle, and I can pray for you, but when it's my turn, I'm like, I don't know. And Jesus doesn't rebuke him. You know what Jesus does? He's like, wow. And he heals his son. He doesn't cast him away because he just has this much faith. So I would say to those of you who would say, man, my faith is low right now. Blow it. Blow on that spark. Blow it. Point it towards Jesus and say, God, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know when. But I believe. Would you, would you stand with me? We're going to pray. The band's going to come and sing this song, and I'm going to pray while they're coming. And I just want you, whatever you're going through, whatever's going on in your heart, whatever's going on in your life, whatever's going on in your mind, whatever's going on in your marriage, whatever's going on in your finances, listen, our God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or think or imagine. Our prayer partners are going to be right here and in the back. And while we're singing this song, if you want to go and be prayed for, man, I encourage you, step out. That's a step of faith. That's me going, it's not really cool. I don't feel like I like, want to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's a step of faith that God will honor. And if you want to wait until we're gone and these people will stay here, the band will keep playing, you can pray afterwards. But we're going to pray now, and I just want you to pray. Lord Jesus, God, first of all, thank you that you're the kind of God that heals. And you didn't just heal back in the day, you heal now. We believe that, God. We've experienced that. And you don't always do it the way or, or how we want. But God, you are a God who heals. And so our faith is directed to, towards you. You are who you say you are, and you can do what you say you can do. And so some of us, Lord, need to right now in this moment just tell you the whole truth. God, to be honest with you, my faith is kind of low. God, to be honest with you, I don't, I've never felt worthy enough to, to receive a blessing or a miracle from you. I, I, I've done a lot of things in my life. Some of you just need to be doing this right now. God, God this is the whole story. Not that he doesn't know already. This is just you saying, here's the whole truth about me. That God responds to that kind of sincerity, that kind of honesty, that kind of transparency. So Lord, we just, in our own ways, and people are praying all over this place right now, God. Lord, would you heal my marriage? It seems like it's dead. It seems like there's no possible way. But Lord, I believe that you could. God, I've got this diagnosis that is hanging over my head, and Lord, I don't know how. The doctors are saying there's no way, but Lord, I believe that you can. And sometimes, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, God will use medicine to heal you, and other times he'll just speak the word, and he'll do it. But either way, he's responsible for the healing. Lord Jesus, whatever we're facing, whatever's going on, we're just going to stop in the moment, and we're going to praise you. We're going to give you worship right now in this place. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.